Hey guys, Darren Bentley here. And before we get started, I wanted to make a special announcement. We have officially opened registration for the Private Money Conference, which is a three-day live event where you will learn directly from Jay and his team how to raise thousands of dollars in private money to fund all of your real estate deals. Now, in today's changing market, more and more people are losing out to other investors because most of those investors have the cash to fund these deals. Did you know that you are missing out on 87% of the real estate deals out there because you don't have access to private money? Sadly, most real estate investors don't even know this is the reason why they continue to lose deal after deal. And with everything that's happening in the market today, you absolutely need every advantage available to you. And having access to unlimited amounts of private money is your big advantage. So to register for this live event, head over to jconnor.com forward slash event. Again, that is jconnor.com, J-A-Y-C-O-N-N-E-R.com forward slash event, where you will be able to lock in your seat for this live in-person three-day event, which takes place June 12th, 13th, and the 14th in beautiful North Carolina. But you got to be fast because there are a limited number of seats, and when they are gone, they're gone. So again, to take advantage of this incredible event and to learn how to raise all the private money you'll ever need directly from Jay Connor and his team, head over to jayconnor.com forward slash event. Again, that is jayconnor.com, J-A-Y-C-O-N-N-E-R.com forward slash event. Now let's get into today's episode. Are you a brand new real estate investor and you're still trying to fund your first deal, but you can't because you don't have the money lined up to fund your deal? Or are you a wholesaler? You've collected some assignment fees and there's some deals you want to stay in, but you haven't been able to stay in any deals because you don't have the funding for real estate deals. Or are you a seasoned real estate investor and you just want more funding for your deals at super cheap interest rates? If you answered yes to any of those questions, don't go anywhere because I'm getting ready to plug you into the money. Welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Investing Podcast, also known as the Private Money Academy Podcast. I'm Jay Connor, your host, also known as the Private Money Authority. And uh, if you've been tuning in, you know we have amazing guests and amazing shows. Today is no exception. We've got an amazing show and guest lined up for you. But before I introduce my guest, I want to give you a free gift for simply being here on the podcast, or you may be watching one of our YouTube channels. And that is, I've just finished writing a brand new guide. It's called the Money Guide. Um, and it's free. You can download it. And here is the name of it exactly. The guide is called Seven Reasons Why Private Money Will Skyrocket Your Real Estate Business and Help You Build Incredible Wealth. So again, if you want private money, you want funding for any of your real estate deals, you want to download this money guide at the end of the show. And you can get it for free at www.jayconner.com forward slash money guide. Again, that's jayconner.com forward slash money guide. 
and you're going to learn all kinds of great stuff about private money, how to locate private lenders, how to get funding lined up very, very quickly. Well, as I said, I've got an amazing guest today. My guest is a second generation entrepreneur from Yuma, Arizona. Now, after becoming one of the youngest firefighters in Yuma County, my guest launched his very first company at the super young age of only 23 years old, and he kept growing it and growing it, and then he successfully sold that company in 2014. Now, he's, he is an organizational psychologist. I know you want to know what in the world that is. He's an organizational psychologist. He's a real estate coach and investor uh, holding ownership in multiple companies in various types of verticals and companies. He uses his investment knowledge, his entrepreneurial spirit, and training as an organizational psychologist to help others become very successful real estate investors. So I want to welcome to the show our special guest today, Rafael Cortez. Welcome to the show, Rafael. Hey, Jay. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. I'm excited to have you on. Just so you know, you're entirely too young to be as successful as you already are. But anyway, uh, on our audience here, you're going to have um, you're going to have a lot of folks that do connect with you. So um, take us back to the story. I mean, I know that um, you were you got into real estate at a young age. So what was it that got you into real estate at the very beginning? So um, I I got into real estate. I tapped into real estate in 2009. I, I had a, the transportation business, which I started building in, in um, around 2006. Uh, but, uh, I mean, it just became one of those things. I had a, I had a different vehicle for wealth, which was the transportation business. And, uh, it, it just didn't resonate with me. It had a, it had that glass ceiling, right? So everything, if I wanted to make more money, I had to put, uh, more people and assets and, and resources into making more money. So expenses, uh, went hand in hand with revenue. So you had a, a, a tighter margin. Uh, I started looking to different things and the best vehicle, you know, that I came across was, was, uh, real estate. Uh, so I, I took on my first flip uh, in, uh, early 2009, uh, that was, and, um, did a couple of those and then I figured out, uh, discovered wholesaling after that. So, so yeah, I mean, I had some, uh, some cash to play with because I had the other uh, business still and, and I ended up, you know, just allocating or deploying it into real estate, uh, giving it a shot and, and just haven't looked back since. <laughs> gotcha. Well, you know, there's all kinds of ways to be involved in real estate, right? I mean, right. there's single family houses, there's land, there's commercial, there's small apartments, uh, there's, you know, syndication for big projects. Um, you know, there's wholesale. I mean, as far as buying strategies or control, there's wholesaling, there's flipping. I mean, it's just on and on and on and on. What types right. of real estate deals have you been involved in and what's your favorite type of real estate deals? Um, I mean, I've done everything from, you know, buy and hold, you know, some commercial, a lot of residential stuff. But my favorite strategy really is wholesaling. Um, it's uh, the the process of wholesaling. I mean, what I like about it is it's just faster to get through a transaction. Uh, and I'd rather flip my vested interest or the, the paperwork than the swing hammers and do a full gutted, um, you know, rehab and remodel and that so transactional, it's it's uh, it's a lot easier to to handle a wholesaling company if you have the right systems in place. So uh, I mean that's that's my my drug of choice when it comes to real estate. It really is. 
So, I got you. Yeah, but I've done so, I've done everything from multifamily to commercial, residential, and being part of a, a lot, a lot of deals. Got you. Well, you started in 2009, so you've been at this for quite a while now. What were some of your early struggles and challenges? <clears throat> Um, not knowing what to do, not knowing, you know, where to get to first off, uh, you know, as, as a, uh, starting on a real estate investor, a real estate entrepreneur, it, it's, it's easy to get that shiny object, right. Uh, syndrome where you're, you start looking at fix and flip and then you look at notes and then you look at creative and then you look at just, I mean, there's a thousand strategies, just like you said earlier, um, to, to play real estate. And, and picking one really was one of the biggest challenges. My first couple of flips. On the first flip, I broke even. On the second one, I think I made maybe five or $6,000 or something like that. It was a lot of work for little to no um, revenue. Um, and it, I just didn't know what I was doing. So so to me, I had that stigma, right, that uh, – um, I, I I went to through a coaching program, and I didn't get any results. So I got the, the – uh, the idea that, uh, you know, coaches were not helpful and, and whatnot. So I went through that uh, gauntlet for a couple of years, just trying to figure out stuff on my own. And I mean, I wasn't moving fast enough, but I mean, I think that's, you know, some of the biggest challenges that I came across early on, figuring out what strategy I wanted to pick and, and really fine tuning my, uh, my skills to, to that uh, space. Yeah. Gotcha. So in, um, in your real estate investing experience over the years, um, what's one of the biggest mistakes that you have made and the lesson learned from that that you'd like to share with everybody? Um, not staying consistent uh, in, in, in the systematic approach to things, especially in the marketing side. So one thing that I did early on was, was jump from marketing strategy to marketing strategy and not giving things enough time to pan out, enough time to work. Um, so for example, we have, um, you know, uh, you have, um, consistency and persistency, right? Two different things, but it's, it's, it's two very different skill sets that need to be applied when you're building a business. And I was, I was really after that fast, um, fast cash, that fast flip. And I wasn't being, I wasn't taking things into, uh, into that, uh, long-term thinking, you know, type of approach. So for example, I mean, case in point, I would get a deal or do a wholesale, you know, deal or something like that, and then dump everything into marketing and, and, you know, spend all my resources as opposed to growing, uh, through a, a controlled, you know, fashion, right. I would put everything because I wanted more deals, put everything into marketing and not really fine tuning the marketing, not following KPIs, um, you know, not having that systematic approach again, um, uh, to, to the overall process. I mean, that cost me a lot of, you know, a lot of money starting off. And, and when I say starting off, I mean, I did that for the first maybe three, four years. So it wasn't, it became, yeah, it became a, a way of doing business just because they didn't know better. I didn't have a right. better outlook on, on how things could possibly pan out. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and when and you're yeah, saying, and what, I'm just going to say, just so everybody understands when you're saying marketing strategies, you're talking about all the different ways that you can locate an off market motivated seller that does not have a property located in the multiple listing service. You're talking about investing money in marketing, locating for sale by owners, right? Correct. Yeah. Going straight to sellers. So uh, the, the main, the biggest, uh, you know, strategy in wholesaling or the strategy of wholesaling is actually going direct to seller and finding sellers directly as opposed to them coming to you, uh, you know, through a listing or, or for sale by owner type of stuff. 
Uh, so you set up, you know, different campaigns depending on on the market that you're in, the price points that you're looking for. Um, and and what I did was was I would tap into different avatars of sellers, right? And and I would put a lot of money into areas where I wasn't even doing, you know, the the research and you know figuring out if there was going to be something or is going if it was going to be sustainable to start off with um, for enough time. And it's just you know it wasn't it wasn't effective. I was not doing effective marketing. I was spending a lot of money not being effective uh, at the beginning right. of, of the whole process. Yeah. So just in case we've got a um, a listener here uh, to the show uh, that does not know what wholesaling is, how about tell everybody in simple terms, what is your definition of wholesaling and how does that deal process flow? So it's uh, wholesaling is a process of uh, finding discounted properties uh, through motivated sellers. So um, we we market direct to seller. We'll we'll send out SMS campaigns, text messaging campaigns, or cold call. There's multiple different avenues of, of marketing which are very effective. Now I know that. Um, but you market direct to sellers, and uh, you're finding a problem. There's a lot of people that can't put their properties up for sale on the MLS uh, because they need a lot of work. They have they don't have a timeline to wait around for a sale uh, to process. And what we do is uh, we go direct to sellers and find out who wants to sell. Right. So the next step is getting that property under contract. Now we have vested interest in that property. So we negotiate the deal. We have to get it at a discount. You can't pay retail uh, for wholesale, right? Just like the name implies, you're, you're buying at a wholesale price. So there's, um, there's, you're, you're buying a, at a substantial discount. And then what happens now you have a contract and you have vested interest in the property. You don't own the property, but you have vested interest through that contract. And what you're selling, you're signing, uh, or, you know, double closing or different strategies, but you're, you're essentially what you're getting paid for is your vested interest. So you sell that contract, uh, case, uh, just, uh, for a quick, um, example, if you have a property that's worth $100,000 after it's repaired and fixed and, and, uh, and ready to live, uh, be lived in, um, you buy the property for $65,000, right? Needs maybe 5,000 repairs and you sell that contract for say $80,000, so now the end buyer or somebody who's going to come in um, is going to buy it from you for, for $80,000 and you make the difference of the cash. You're going to make the difference um, you know, from the price that you got it from the seller and then the price that uh, that investor who's going to come in and fix it and rehab it and put those $5,000 into it um, is going to pay for it, meaning that you make that spread of $10,000 or $5,000 or whatever that number is. And, um, and you sell your vested interest in in the in that deal i mean that's that's essentially what happens there's a lot of pieces that you know go into it right but it's uh the life of the deals it's usually you know three weeks long on average for us uh so it's um it takes skill set right to get into the deal negotiate and all that stuff and that's really where the value as a wholesaler comes in it's finding that problem that the seller has being able to provide a solution for them in the way that you structure the deal and then selling that vested interest quick so they can come in pay cash and then solve the seller's problem you monetize uh, you know as you're as you're going through the process right in the middle of it so yeah well, that's essentially how it works uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you for that clarification rafael so as you mentioned um there's all kinds of ways to persistently and consistently find discounted properties from motivated sellers 
you mentioned texting, you know, um, there's outbound calling, there's direct mail campaigns, there's, you know, um, pre-notice of def. I mean, there's, I mean, all kinds of ways, right? And there's all kinds of lists. I mean, there's all kinds of ways to communicate with these potential sellers. And, right. and there's all kinds of different kinds of lists as to the type of motivated sellers, you know, are they behind on payments? You know, are they an absentee owner? Are they a tired landlord? You know, does somebody just go through a divorce? And on and on and on and on and on and on. The list is long. Let's start with, first of all, communicating and and reaching out to these potentially motivated sellers. What's your, no, let's, let's start with the list because you got to have your list first uh, before you even start trying to communicate with them. So, of all the different types of lists, what are your favorite types of potentially motivated sellers? Real quick, y'all, you guys already know that I don't run any ads on this and I don't sell anything. And so the only ask I can ever ask of you guys is that you help me spread the word so we can help more real estate investors make more money, feed their families, and have the private money they need to fund their deals. And the only way we can do that is if I ask you to rate and review and share this podcast. So the single thing that I ask you to do is you can just leave a review. It'll take you 10 seconds or one type of the thumb. It would mean the absolute world to me. And more importantly, it may change the world of someone else. Um, we like to, uh, one list that we find very effective and I have like, this is one of the first lists that we tackle, uh, you know, when I'm, when I'm going through coaching and, and coaching students, it's a, uh, it's a 60 day, uh, 60 day late list. It's that's one of them. So you have your vacant list, your absentee owners list. Those are pretty, um, vanilla lists, right? Everybody knows that they got to hit those lists and, and they're not wrong. Everybody sells at, you know, any point in time, right? Uh, we just got to be there at the right time. But one one list that we get a lot of um, uh, results from is a 60-day late. These are people who are 60-day late, or, or I'm sorry, they're 60 days or more uh, past due on their mortgage. So they're not, in, you know, they haven't been served pre-foreclosure. So they're within that period between that 60 to 90 days if it's a, a foreclosure state. Um, they haven't been served. Not everybody knows about their delinquency. You have to actually go in there and then... Um, find out about the 60 day lates and you can get this type of list from your title company. Um, they can run a 60 day late uh, search for you. Uh, you go to the, uh, the, the title agency or your closing um, officer, you usually talk to their marketing representative and they'll be able to hook you up with this type of list, right? What we like doing is, and we have a couple of providers uh, in, in the market. We go to them directly. We tell them, listen, put me on the mailer. Anytime this list becomes available or there's a change on it, we get a notification. And it goes straight into my lead manager. So we're tapped into that list, right? <coughs> and it's a list that we're consistently hitting. Um, and then, of course, you have your absentee owner list and high equity. Those are going to be your high volume lists. So in order to, uh, <clears throat> to have a business be sustainable in any area, you're going to have a good amount of volume of people to, to reach out to. And that's where that list comes in. Yeah. The way that we market to them, it's... Um, <clears throat> Something's wrong with my throat. <laughs> it's maybe, um, maybe maybe you need a drink of water. <laughs> yeah, give me a second. I don't know what happened. But sure, I'll, I'll, drink, you, I'll uh, drink a drink of water with you. <laughs> mm. 
the way <clears throat> the way that we market to those properties is um we have um our main uh, marketing process or, or strategy is it's cold calling. That hasn't changed since we started uh, cold calling day one, right? <clears throat> yeah, there's there's um compliance stuff and and DNC uh regulations and all that stuff if you comply with all that stuff it's got it's relatively one of the uh, one of the best ways to to reach out to people it's cost effective you get to talk to a lot of people dig through a lot of records and information which is what we need um jay what happens is that out of everybody that wants to sell any, anybody who wants to sell their property only a very small percentage is going to be a fit to sell to us uh uh, and that percentage is about anywhere from three to five percent of the people that are looking to sell at any point in time are going to be a fit to sell wholesale, right? So we have to go through a lot of records. There's a lot of contacts. There's a lot of um, conversations that we need to have to find these properties, and that's really where the legwork is. That's why not a lot of people, um, <clears throat> in the long run, are successful at wholesaling or want to do wholesaling, right? Everybody gets into it because it's a low low um, entry barrier, but. Um, it's if you don't have the right systems in place, it can become something that's really taxing. Uh, anyways, with that being said, like the the core uh, marketing strategies that we use are cold calling. So we always have cold calling campaigns going on to these lists, um, and then we we uh, we will also reach out to them via SMS, meaning text message. So uh, we run them through the DNC, we run them through the litigator scrub, and and do just about everything that we can do to stay safe on the marketing side, but we will hit the same list. So we'll pull a list of absentee owners. Uh, we usually, you know, and you can pull a list of 10,000 records from most uh, data providers and then skip trace that list and whatnot and hit that list via cold call and then also create a second uh, adjacent campaign and that's mass texting and you're sending text messages to that same list. So you're working the same uh, you know, lead simultaneously from a couple of different angles. Um, that's proven to give us a lot of results. So, so yeah. yeah. Do you always do you always recommend or maybe not using a automated dialer when you're outbound calling to where you <clears throat> upload that list of phone numbers into an automated dialer and now that dialer is calling uh, versus manual outbound? hundred percent. One hundred percent. Yeah. If you're doing manual outbound, you're going to be able to talk to anywhere from maybe 40 if you're at it all day long, uh, you're you're calling 40 to maybe 50 people. Um, and if you plug in a power dialer, which is what you're talking about, um, you're, what happens with power dialers is there's, there's multiple lines dialing out at the same time. So whoever picks up from those records get connect, gets connected to you um, right away. So you, you have the ability to go through 500 records. Yeah, so your, your efforts, I mean, they, they just, you know, exponentially uh, improve whenever you are uh, going through a, through one of those tools, a power dialer. Yeah. So absolutely. If you're doing cold calling, don't do it without a power dialer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So for the outbound calling uh, method to be effective, how mm -hmm. many, how many records really is a minimum number of records for a real estate investor to be outbound dialing to say, in a month, in a week, whatever. So th this is how we break down the numbers. Um, we have, if you pull a list of 10,000 records a month, you can hit that list and it'll last you, um, you because you're going to hit that list a couple of times before you recycle it and then shelf it. Um, 
but uh, you can pull a 10,000 record list, skip trace that, and then run through a power dialer. So normally, if you, I mean, if it's just you dialing, you're probably going to go through about 500 records a day if you're hitting it all day long. It depends on, you know, the, avail uh, the availability or if you have a VA coming into it. Um, but we aim to do that, right? We go, uh, we go for about 800 records a day on a power dialer. That's the KPI that we have for the cold callers. Um, and again, we're texting that same list. So we're going through the, through the process of texting. We'll send out a thousand a day. Um, so in, in theory, right in about, you know, 10 to 12 days, you're going to go through that list, but you get to do that a couple of times with that same list without having to skip trace and rerun another list. And there's plenty of records on there after the second pass lists um the effectiveness of the list starts to to drop meaning the response rate how many people are actually picking up the phone uh how many people are actually texting you back it just it significantly significantly drops after that second pass so what we'll do is we'll stop that and then i mean at this point usually about a month went by we'll run another list we'll put this one on hold for six months and then come back and revisit it six months after that so we'll hit the you know the same data but we we will do it in in uh, phases. Gotcha. That makes sense. <clears throat> yeah, that does make yeah. sense. What is your process for uh, making the decision as to what's the most that you can offer on a particular property to get it under contract to then assign it to another real estate investor to take it down? So that's going to depend uh, a lot on the market, um, you know, where you're in, that's one. And then the second thing is going to be the area, right? Is it an A-level area, meaning super nice, fancy, highly desirable, um, B-level area where you have your middle class and a lot of rentals or C-level area where there's a lot of low-income housing. So that's going to determine the price points uh, of or offer thresholds that you can go up to. Um with that being said, I mean we we play we play around. I mean we we offer in some areas up to depending if it's like a super hot area, we'll go up to like eighty two percent of the market value, minus uh, the repairs, minus the profit that we want to make on that deal. And then on some uh, you know areas, because it may be colder and not a lot of activity and whatnot, uh, we'll offer significantly lower to about seventy four percent. Minus repairs, minus our, our fee. So um, with that being said, at the end of the day, try to f uh, work out your formula or your offer pricing so that um, when you sell that property to a buyer, somebody who's going to come in and actually do the remodel, fix it and flip it or buy and hold, do whatever they want, um, they have at least a 10% return on investment. If they have anywhere from a 10 to 12% return on investment, historically, um, it, it's, uh, it's going to be a sellable product. Right. You have something that's got some, you know, meat on the bones and, and it's sellable. Um, if you if you lock it too high, I mean, it's going to be really hard to sell. And let's again, unless it's in a super hot area um, or, you know. Prestigious location, so, something like that. <clears throat> so when you are so when you are wholesaling, um, you're going to need a buyer's list. You're going to need a mm -hmm. list. You're going to need a list of these real, these other real estate investors that actually have the funding and they yeah. want to buy these properties and they want to do the rehabbing. Um, so you got to have this list so you can market these contracts <laughs> to, to assign your contract. What's your favorite way or ways to build and find those potential buyers that you will sell these contracts to the quickest way? Uh, the quickest way is going to be, I mean, you can just jump on, uh, jump on social media, look for real estate investor groups, 
in in your market, right? That's going to be one of them. And there's uh, just look that uh, the the keyword investor, real estate investor, and there's going to be a bunch of stuff that pops up. So uh, one thing that you want to do is to start start signing up to those real estate investor groups uh, on Facebook. Uh, you're going to see the groups, you're going to see the pages, and then you're also going to see the marketplace. Uh, so those are three, uh, three different places within Facebook to find real estate investors. So any email that you see on there, start taking that email and then putting it in a separate spreadsheet uh, into your MailChimp account, anywhere where you're saving your buyer's list. So start building that list that way. That's one of them. Uh, real estate investor associations are huge. Uh, so if there's any real estate investor associations going on, you Zoom via Zoom or, or in person, go to those and start having conversations. Jay, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing to see the, the amount of people who get um, intimidated by investor meetups. Uh, go to meetup.com and then look up real estate investor uh, in, you know, for your area and start showing up. There's a lot of, there's a lot of these going on in, in any major market. You know, at any point in time, people talking about notes, people talking about buy and hold, about multifamily, but meetup.com, um, it's it's a really good place also to find local connections, right? Um, another one where you can start to add a or create a buyer's list real fast, and it'll, it'll actually give you phone numbers as well. It's um, um, goalsection8.com. So Section 8 Housing, uh, there's you, you go in there, you type in your zip code. And uh, anybody who's buying properties to do Section 8 rentals, that's a landlord, they literally have their name, their number, and their phone uh, in there. It's just right there, public records. It's like that's where they'll post, you know, that they're they, um, you know, the properties and, and, and the areas they're buying and whatnot. So they already have, you know, you know they're investors because they're on the Section 8 website. Right. You go in there and they have rentals available um, and they'll some of these properties have property management. A lot of them are just direct to landlord. So you're going to look for the landlord ones. Even if you come across property management ones, just give them a call and tell them that, you, that you know, you're running campaigns for for investment properties and see if they can connect you with different buyers. So, uh, yeah, but there's there's a lot of ways of building, you know, a buyer's list relatively healthy. And then, of course, if you have. The ability to JV, mean partner up with anybody in your area whenever you get a deal, uh, leverage their buyers list, leverage their buyers list and sign up to just about any, every wholesaler out there, like every wholesaler's list out there that you can find. That's, that's going to give you awesome. <laughs> Rafael, you have given in a uh, very short amount of time, just a huge amount of information, fantastic, amazing information. And I believe that you have got a, um, I think you've got a free gift or something that you'd like to give the listeners, right? Yeah. So, so um, I'm a, I'm a systems oriented guy and, and I, I mean, I, I really believe in having the, the freedom is in the systems, right? So if you're building uh, anything, if you're doing anything, you know, especially wholesaling in this case, uh, there's got to be a systematic approach to it. So I, I built a blueprint and this is exactly what I use uh, to run my business. Um, and, and it's a PDF download. So, uh, uh, people can go to reiwholesaling.com and download the, uh, the blueprint. So it's a breakdown of the six stages of your wholesaling business, what you're looking for in terms of, uh, KPIs and metrics, like what to watch out for, uh, and then the requirements of each one of the stages. So, uh, it's reiwholesaling.com and it's a full breakdown of the business model that you need to have in place for wholesaling operation. Awesome. That sounds like a very valuable tool there. So folks, uh, if you're just listening and not watching, you can go to www.reiwholesaling, W-H-O-L-E, 
S-A-L-I-N-G.com, reiwholesaling.com. And you can download absolutely free uh, this uh, resource that Raphael has written for you, how to systemize your wholesaling business. Raphael, thank you so much. Uh, parting comments and final thoughts before we call it a wrap. My pleasure. Um, yeah, it, it's, I mean, just analysis paralysis kills all dreams. Uh, if you feel like you need to to do something else, or you have that inner, that like that fire that's that's calling out to you every single morning, do something about it, right? Uh, give give this a, a, a try because it's, it, and if it's not wholesaling, maybe something else, but there's always that higher calling. Uh, to me, honestly, it was the, the best vehicle that I could find was real estate. Uh, but w- wake up as an entrepreneur every morning. As an entrepreneur, we have the ability to create, we have the ability to, to shape dreams and be a, a better vehicle for somebody else's life. And I think that becomes a responsibility as you go more into it. Um, so if that's calling out to you, don't ignore it. Don't suppress it because it will die off. Um, take advantage of it and, and, and then just tackle every day like, like it's the last one. That's awesome, Raphael. Thank you so much for joining me. My pleasure, Jay. Thank you so much for having me, man. It's been a blast. All right. There you have it, folks. Another episode of the Private Money Academy podcast. I'm Jay Connor, your host, the Private Money Authority, wishing you all the best. Here's to taking your real estate investing business to the next level. And we really appreciate your feedback, those five-star reviews. So be sure and subscribe, like, rate, review. If you're watching on YouTube, be sure and tap that bell so that you don't miss out on any of the other upcoming amazing podcasts. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you right here on the next Private Money Academy podcast. 